Good evening, everyone. This is Brother Brandon coming to you live from Fort Smith, Arkansas, with another Fishers and Men Bible study. And it is great to be here tonight. And um, tonight is our Tuesday night Bible study. And we will be getting into Matthew chapter 7. And uh, Lord willing, we will finish all of it tonight because it is a very short chapter. I mean, it's not a very short chapter, but it's a short chapter. So, we will finish it, Lord willing, uh, tonight, and then um, next week we'll get into, we'll start moving along to Matthew chapter 8 and start moving along through it. Amen? So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. Um, so, let's see, what else? Hmm. Well, so that's, uh, so that's what we're going to do tonight. And uh, um, if you guys have any prayers or praises, you can feel free to mention them if you like. Uh, if not, that's fine too. That is completely up to you. A um, couple things for me. I just want to thank you for your prayers for last Sunday evening. Uh, Monday was kind of a rough day, um, but I did get all. I did get the message up. Uh, hopefully, it will be a blessing to you guys. And uh, hopefully you guys got something out of that. Uh, so thank you for your prayers on that. Um, I do have some prayer requests. Some of them are unspoken. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah. Um, but there is a prayer request I want to share with you guys. And um, kind of explain a little bit. Um, so, as a lot of you may or may not know, um, I had put on Facebook, um, of a desire that I've had, and, um, one of my desires that I've recently have is the desire to run for public office, and I'm quite serious about that, and I am seriously considering praying uh, even now praying about running for office. Now, just because I say running for office doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to win. If I were to run, doesn't mean a whole lot. Just the fact that I am praying on running for, that I have a desire to run for state office. Um, <clears throat> there are just some things that I've looked at and observed that I'm not very well pleased with and I really wish there was something I can personally do and just some things that I think that you know uh, can be done differently when it comes in the arena of politics and so if you all can pray for me um, on that, I will greatly appreciate that um, because I am I'm at I'm pretty much at a point right now where I'm I am going to be praying about running for office, and I've spoken to people about it. They uh, I've spoken to some people about it, and there's been kind of some mixed there's been some mixed feelings about it, but overall 
most of my responses have been quite positive and very supportive. Pretty much across the board, it's been very, 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 uh, pretty, uh, um, um, pretty much, um, you know, supportive. So, um, so yeah, so if you can, if y'all can pray for me on this, um, I'm at a point where I'm going to probably start gathering information, getting information on what to do and all that stuff. Um, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be continue, continuing uh, to pray about it. So I ask that you all would be in agreement with me and pray on it. Um, and so, yeah. So that's kind of... Um, what I want to look into uh, doing now I now if I do choose to run for office or if God allows me to run um, that's not going to negate or replace me being a preacher or me uh, sharing the word of God because that's my first and foremost calling that's not going to go away anytime soon I promise you that <clears throat> But, I do want to help out, I do want to help out my country, I do want to serve my country, and I actually attempted to actually get into the Navy. Believe it or not, I actually went through and did all that stuff, and believe it or not, that door shut. Okay? So, I am... So I'm like, okay, well, God doesn't want me to be in the Navy. So I'm like, okay. God has put me on a different path other than that. But I would like to serve my country. And if I can do that by running for office and maybe even winning and actually gaining a political seat, that maybe I might be able to make a wee bit of a difference. Now, one person can't change everything, but they can be a light, an example. So if you all can pray for me on that, I would greatly appreciate that. And this is not a joke. This is not a, I gotcha. Okay, this is, I'm 100% serious. I am seriously Consider, uh, prayfully considering running for office one of these days. Obviously not in this election, but maybe in the next coming elections, um, if there is any seats available in my district, I will run for it. And um, so, if you all can pray for me, I would greatly appreciate that. <coughs> I have some other prayer requests. Um... If you can kind of, they're just kind of unspoken requests, so if you can pray for me on those, I'd greatly appreciate that as well. So, anyways, other than that, that's all I've got for that. Um, uh, I don't have any announcements. Oh, whew, boy, I'm tired. Um, I don't know when I'm going to be preaching Sunday. 
So, and I don't even know if I'm going to do one. I don't know if I'm going to even have a broadcast on Sunday night or not. I, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Okay. Now, other than that, that's all I got. So, if you guys have any, like I said, if you guys have any prayers or phrases, please put them. You can feel free to put them in the comments below or message me or whatever and will be good. Uh, please keep Brother Joey uh, in prayer as he, you know, struggles with his his pain. And, and uh, we have fellowship every Monday night. And we had some good fellowship last night. So keep him in prayer. Um, other than that, I think that's going to be it. So, um, <clears throat> with that said, we will go ahead and dive into our Bible. Let our We will dive into our lesson, and uh, we'll dive into our Bible study. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and we will begin in verse 1. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. Now, I just want to say, please forgive my computer. It's beeping because I'm getting Facebook messages. But we take a look at today's world, and any time you try to tell people the truth, or you say something that the world sees as judgment, they will throw this verse at you. Judge not that ye be not judged. And this is a verse that the world loves to throw out there. Because they say, well, you can't judge me, only God can. And they take that out of context and... They twist and rest the scripture to their own condemnation. And they don't realize that Jesus said that we are to judge by mere appearance. Or not, sorry. I'm, my mind is going 130 miles an hour right now. So I, what I just said was wrong. And I apologize for that. That's, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said to judge righteous judgment and not by mere appearance. Okay? So, when the world likes to throw this verse out telling you that you can't judge, they fail to recognize what Jesus says in the book of John. In John chapter 7 verse 24 it says judge not according to the appearance but judge righteous judgment. And what does that mean to judge righteous judgment? It means that we judge accordingly to the word of God. Okay? We judge according to what Jesus said, according to his words. We use that and we use that to judge so when you use the Bible and tell somebody that their sin is wrong 
And when you got the world that flippantly says, well, you can't judge me, only God can, I don't think they fully realize that, I don't think they fully realize that what, that what you were speaking of was of what God said. Which means they don't like God's judgment. It's not you judging them. It's, it's they feel condemned because of their sin. And so they feel like that only God can judge them. Well, be careful what you ask for because that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to stand before Almighty God and be, you will be judged based on your works. Except if you get saved and get born again, then you'll be judged by faith. Okay? But the world likes to flippantly say, judge not that you must... That, they like to take this first verse and say, well, see, you can't judge. Well, Jesus said that we have to judge righteous judgment, and righteous judgment is using the Word of God. <clears throat> Amen? So, if Jesus says that we should judge righteous judgment, then what does this first verse mean? This first verse is talking about judging out of hypocrisy. Meaning, you telling someone that they can't do something, and yet you go be and behind their back, and you do the very thing that you told them not to do. That's judging out of hypocrisy. Okay? That is judging out of hypocrisy. That is not judging righteous judgment. And if you actually read the verse in context, you realize that this first verse is talking about judging out of hypocrisy. Now, <clears throat> verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of thine own eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. There are situations when you try to be a witness to someone... And either they're so far gone or reprobate that eventually you just have to stop being a witness to them. Because when you do that, and when you don't do that, and you start continuing to witness to them as well, meaning as you are, you're casting pearls before swine. And we have to be careful to not do that as Christians. God will hand people over to a reprobate mind. And once they're handed over, they're handed over. Okay? When God hands you over to a reprobate mind, what that means is you won't get saved. 
And it's, it's not that you can't get saved. It's just that you won't get saved. Why? Because you love sin rather than God. And you'd rather stay in your sin and not repent. And that reprobate mind comes at a cost. And God can hand, he can hand people over to a reprobate mind. God can do that. Alright. <clears throat> it's a scary thought. But you don't ever, if you if you're if there's someone that's reprobate and they're so stubborn and stiff-necked that they won't hear you, then it's best for you to kind of back away and just let them be. Because if you kind of, if you continue to witness to people that are so reprobate in their mind, so full of rejection against Christ and against His Word, uh, then you're then you're getting into casting pearls before swine. And we're not to do that. Now it says in verse seven, "Ask and it shall be given you; seek, ye shall find; knock, and it shall be it should be opened unto you." For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom his son ask a bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him. You see, <clears throat> we as humans know how to give good gifts to our children. We know how to do that. Okay? Now, when you take a look at how we like to give good gifts to our children, Okay, Jesus is saying is Jesus is saying is how much more will your father give to you to those who ask him? God's not gonna withhold that from God is not gonna withhold good things from you. He may not give them to you right away, and that's okay. Maybe you're not ready for it. But God's not gonna withhold God God is not gonna withhold any good thing from you. If we know how to good if we know how to give good gifts to our kids, God will give you good things to those who ask for it. But the key thing in that note is to those who ask. Okay? Jesus is telling you that God will God will give good things to his kids. Even more so on how we give on how on how we give good gifts to our children, God would even more so give good thanks to the, to his kids and to those who ask him. <clears throat> Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Okay? It's kind of like that golden rule. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. If you want to be treated a certain way, and yet you don't treat others the way you don't treat others the way that you'd want them to treat you, 
You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Do unto others the way you would have them to do unto you. Treat others the way that you would want to be treated. Don't don't expect others to treat you like you're some glorious person and then go around treating people like trash. Okay? Treat others the way that you would want to be treated. But Jesus said this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be to, that find it. Let's talk about this. Okay. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now you might say, well, Brandon, how can you be so narrow-minded? Well, let me tell you something. Jesus did say, narrow is the way, and there, and few there be there find, that find it. Let me... Let, let me give you a narrow way. Sorry. Got a little itchy there for a sec. <clears throat> let me give you... Let me give you a narrow way. You're probably not going to like this. But it's the truth. Unless you have Jesus Christ in your life, you're not going to heaven. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And what he and the things that he did at the cross for you and I, and his shed blood, that is the only way to heaven. Is Christ. If you believe in Muhammad or the Pope or Buddha or some some or some sort of Hindu goddess, if you believe in evolution or if you believe in Darwin or if you believe in that you're going to become little gods and all this stuff. If you think that you can get to work to heaven by any of those means other than Christ, you're deceiving yourself. Because Christ is the only way to heaven. If you believe in Muhammad or you're not I mean if you believe in Muhammad and all that stuff and you die in that condition, you are not going to heaven. 
And newsflash, all you Muslims out there that think that your works and your bad works are going to be weighed on a scale, you are seriously, you're seriously mistaken. And you're, and you're deceived and you need to know the truth. Because that is not going to gain you entrance into heaven. Only Jesus Christ will gain you entrance into heaven and nothing but Christ. Therefore, therefore, the only, and I'll prove it, I'll prove it. I gotta pull it up here real quick. But all your good works are as filthy rags to God. Without Christ, you are nothing. It's only through Christ that one can gain entrance into heaven. Your works cannot save you. Amen. It's only through the blood of Christ. And a rejection of the blood of Christ make, will make you unclean forever. And a rejection of Christ and his blood, there is no more sacrifice for sin. So it's either Christ or nothing. And Christ is the only way you can get into heaven. <clears throat> um, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life. And, fair, and a few there be there that find it. Verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather th uh, grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every, gr every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. So, you have these false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but deep down they're ravening wolves. These are hirelings. These, these prophets do not care, but they don't care for anyone but themselves. Therefore, they are a hireling. Amen. Now, let me... Uh,
in John chapter 10, verse 12, it says, But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. Okay, that was John chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Um, Ma uh, Malachi chapter 3 verse 5 it says and I will come near to you to judgment and I will be swift I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages the widow and the fatherless and that turn aside the stranger from his right and fear not me saith the Lord of hosts so, here's the thing. These false prophets, they've got names. One of them is Kenneth Copeland. That guy is such a false prophet. He, he I mean, that guy is possessed with devils. I'm telling you, he, oh, I can't stand that guy. Pope Francis is another false prophet. You even got even false prophets, even amongst independent Baptist circles, denominations, churches, you name it. There's false prophets everywhere. You see, you got to be careful because... These false prophets will come to you as sheep. But really, they've only come to devour the flock by their lies. You know, you have all the, this prosperity trash. You've got all this, um, uh, what's that guy's name? Um, who's the Saddleback guy? Um... Rick Warren. Rick Warren is a false prophet. Kenneth Copeland, a false prophet. Um, who else? There's a lot of them. Creflo, give me a dollar, is a false prophet. Um, that's not his actual name. It's Creflo Dollar, but I just call him that. Um, Kenneth Hagan. He is a false, or was a false prophet. Um, who else? Oral Roberts, false prophet. All these people were false prophets. And there's much more that have gone out into the world. By the way, women who think they're pastors and they start prophesying a whole bunch of trash, false prophets. Do you know why? Because women are not pastors. Only men are. And Jesus says that you these these false prophets you'll know them by their fruits. He says that you know a good tree cannot produce evil fruit, and a wicked tree cannot produce good fruit. A corrupt tree. We've got corrupt trees in government. 
There's even corrupt trees in state government and local government. But you know what Jesus said? He said that those trees that don't bear fruit will be hewn down and cast into the fire. Um, I'm sorry, Mike. I am just tired this evening. I don't know why. I'm just, I'm just tired. Um, Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, it says, And now also the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that br which bringeth, bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And again, it's, it's what we read in just it's what we just read in Matthew seven nineteen. Now again, Luke chapter three verse nine. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree therefore which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, and cast into the fire. You know, cast into the fire is hell. You want to know how you're saved? You want to know a marking of how you're saved? If you are bearing good fruit, you're most likely saved. Why? Because if you're truly saved, you're not going to bear corrupt fruit. But if you bear evil fruit, you're most likely lost. Why? Because if you bear evil, if you are a corrupt tree, you're not going to bear good fruit. You won't. You will bear, you will bear cor corrupt fruit. Amen. Now, <clears throat> wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You know, when you take a look at that passage, when you got people that say, Lord, Lord, you know, that to me shows that they believed. And, um, just because someone believes does not make them saved. Well, Brandon, aren't, aren't, aren't you supposed to believe in order to get saved? Yeah. But there's a lot more than just believing. You need to put your faith and trust in Christ. Okay? You need to put your faith faith and trust in Christ. In James chapter 2 verse 19 it says thou believest that there is one God thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So just because you believe doesn't mean you're saved. 
Because even the devils believe. And they tremble. And those devils are going to hell one of these days. <clears throat> so you got these people that say they believe. Okay? They say they believe. But let's read on. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus said, I never knew him. Okay. Now I want you to I want you to just pay attention to something. These people said that they believed, right? That they believed. But where in that passage? Where in that passage is faith mentioned? Faith is not mentioned there. So you can say that you believe, but if you have no faith, you're not saved. I don't think you'd be saved. You know why? Because we're saved by grace through what? Faith. Faith is what saves you. Just believing Christ doesn't make you saved. But there's no faith. It's all about, well, it's all about what we did. It's all about our works. But God says, your works are as filthy rags in his sight. In other words, you have no filthy rags. I'm sorry. Hang on. I See, I catch myself saying not the right thing, and I was wrong on that too. What I meant to say was, if your works are as filthy rags, you have no good works. And it goes back to the same old thing. Good works will not get you into heaven. You can believe and have all the good works you want, but if you have no faith, then how can you be saved? James chapter 2, verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? In verse 17 it says, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. In verse 20 of James chapter 2, 
And we're going to keep on going. James chapter 2, verse 20 says, But what? But wilt thou know, o vain man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Verse 24. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Now that might sound like a contradiction, but we have to understand it is only faith that saves you. But the question is, is you do good works because of faith. Because you're saved, you do good works. But does your good works exemplify faith? Does it? Something to think about. James chapter 2, verse 26, when it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith and works go hand in hand. And when I say that, meaning, here's what I mean by that. I'm not, I'm not saying that you're saved, that your good works will save you. What I'm talking about is that when I say they go hand in hand, meaning you can have all the faith you want, all the faith you have and have no works and it doesn't mean anything or you could have all the works you want and no faith and that doesn't mean anything you need to have both faith and works why because your works need to exemplify your faith which is the very thing that saves you it's faith in christ and james just said it Faith without works is dead also, just as the body without the spirit is dead. You can have all the works and no faith. You can have all the faith and no works. There needs to be a balance. Okay, there needs to be a balance. But when you read it, when you read these passages, there is nowhere mention about faith all it was mentioned was about their works and what they did for the Lord so just because you say you believe doesn't make you saved where's your faith And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Okay. James talks about this. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James is telling you, you need to be both a hearer and a doer of the word. Why? Because if, if, if you are a doer of the word and not hearers, you will deceive your own self. You will. 
you will deceive your own self. James is telling you, you need to be both a hearer and a doer. Okay, now check this out. Therefore, who, Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a rock. <clears throat> and the rain ascended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. So... If you are a hearer and doer of these things, what that is showing you is that you're building your faith, you're building your life upon what? The Word of God. When you hear and do what Jesus tells you, you're building your faith and your life upon a rock, which is Christ. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. When Jesus said, on this rock, he was not talking about Peter. He was talking about himself. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. He is our foundation in which we build our faith on. So Jesus says, if you hear and do my words... I will liken you a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The question is, what are you building your life upon? Are you a hearer and a doer? Or are you just a doer and not a hearer? Or are you just a hearer and not a doer? Remember, faith without works is dead also. And by the way, Jesus promises that if you hear and do as the, if you hear and do the sayings of his, here's a promise is that when the rain descended and the floods came, you know what that you know what that represents? Tribulation. When tribulation comes, you won't fall. Why? Because you have built and planted yourself on the Word of God. That's why. You know the thing is? Satan will try to con you into anything. You see, what many people don't realize is Satan doesn't just hate God's people. He also hates those that worship him. Well, how can you say that? Well, he does. And the only reason why Satan baits them and, and, and promises certain things to them, which he may deliver for a short time, but you know what happens after those people die and sold their souls over to Satan? Satan, they're basically dragged into hell. See, Satan's not in hell. Hell, he's not. Don't ever think Satan is in hell because he's not. He's actually, there are times he's in heaven accusing God's people of things. He's the accuser of the brethren. Satan don't like no one. He hates everybody. 
even those that worship him. He hates those people. And why? Because Satan knows he's got a short time. He don't want to go to hell by himself. So he's going to drag anybody he can to hell with him. Satan hates everybody. And yet he wants to be worshipped as God. You see the oxymoron? Satan literally is an oxymoron. Well, he's a moron too, you know what I'm saying? But he's, he's a wise moron is what he is. <clears throat> Satan needs to go to hell. And one of these days he will. Um, verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which hath built his house upon the sand. You want to know something about sand? Sand is not firm. What happens when you reach down on a beach and you pick up sand? What does it do? Falls to your hands, doesn't it? Sand is unstable, just like this world. You know, when you pick up a rock, what does it do? It just sits there. Get it? It just sits there. A rock doesn't just fall through your hands unless you, unless you, you know, don't get a good, a good grip on it. But it's not like sand. It's got a sturdy foundation. So Jesus is saying that for those who hear these sayings and doeth not, it's like a foolish man who built his house upon sand. So the question I have for you today, tonight is, what are you building your life upon? Are you building your life upon the word of God or are you building your life upon the, on the, on the things of this world? Are you trying to live for this world? Or are you trying to live for the kingdom? Jesus said that you are not to store treasures up for yourselves on earth, but in heaven. What are you building your life on? What are you doing? Are you building your house and your faith on a rock? which is the word of God or are you building or or you put or you put you're building your faith on the government you know I want you guys to go back to a teaching I did called I think it's called Jesus Christ or Caesar and I talk about in that message who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust Caesar or are you going to trust Jesus Christ? You know what happens when you trust Caesar or Big Brother government? You know what happens when you put your trust in, in, in that? Down it goes. Down it goes. The government is as unstable as sand. You try putting your faith on the government, it's going to fail. I guarantee you it will. Because governments collapse. Literally collapse. Christ does not. And his kingdom will never collapse. 
So you've got a choice, Caesar or God. Because if you put your faith and trust in God and you become a hearer and doer of the word, you will be building your life and faith upon a rock, not of things of this world. But if you are a hearer and not a doer, you will be building your life upon the things of this world. And, and, and you cannot serve two masters. Do you see how this is all connecting from last video to this video? I want to encourage you, go back and re-watch chapter 6. And then get into chapter 7. Because you'll realize that there is a correlation between 6 and 7. But who, what are you building your life on today? You're building it on Christ or you're just building it on the things of this world? Again, then you see, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Think about that. When tribulation, when all, when all like tribulation and, and, and sorrows hit this world, what's going to happen? People are going to fall. People are going to fall away. You know, the Apostle Paul warns us about a time of a falling away. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a, come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. What is this talking about? What is this day that Paul is referring to? It's the day of the translation of the church. Paul is telling you the translation is not going to happen till a great falling away happens first and that man of sin be revealed. Which means we'll know who the Antichrist is. Some will like to say, oh, we'll, we'll, we're going to be out of here when the Antichrist shows up. Really? Um, there's a problem with that. If we're going to be translated before the Antichrist shows up, um, don't you think we should have already been gone? Because you know what the Bible says? First John chapter 4, verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. If we're taken out when the Antichrist shows up, don't you think we should have already been taken out? Because the Bible makes it very clear that the spirit of Antichrist is at work in this world. And we're still here. The point I'm trying to make is don't make assumptions that are not biblical. We don't know that which is to be taken out of the way. We don't know what that is. So let's not speculate that. The Bible makes it very clear 
that the translation of the church will not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin, the son of perdition, be revealed. That's the Antichrist. We will know who the Antichrist is. Okay, now when is the Lord coming? I don't know. But I believe when the time comes closer, we'll, we'll, we'll eventually know. But right now we don't. So we need to not speculate on what things are. Let's just take the word as it is. Amen? Let's not speculate. But think about this. Those who will fall to the Antichrist are those who put their trust and faith of the things of this world. Those who will fall for the Antichrist will be those who have not put their faith and trust in Christ. Means they built their life upon the things of this world. Which are you? Are you one to build your life upon a rock? Or are you the one who built their life upon the things of this world? Because if you put your thing, put your life upon the things of this world, you're setting yourself up for a fall. You're setting yourself up for a fall. And Jesus said, great was the fall of it. Just keep that in mind. Not trying to be mean. But I think we need to put some we need to put some perspective into things. Now, believe it or not, we're almost done. Two verses left, and we'll close. Verse 28, And it came to pass that when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, when you take a look at what Jesus taught, that was doctrine. Now you have the churches, you have churches nowadays that say, well, we don't preach doctrine. Because doctrine doesn't matter. Really? Doctrine does not matter? Yes, it does matter. It does matter. Don't ever think that doctrine does not matter. Because it does. It says that Jesus had ended these sayings. The people were astonished, astonished at his what? Doctrine. Doctrine matters. The Bible says so. And Jesus taught with authority. Not as one as the scribes. Amen. So, yeah. Believe it or not, that's that's all of chapter seven. It is. That is all of chapter seven. You know, let me tell you guys something. We're entering a we're entering in a time right now. You know, I do believe that we ought to occupy till he comes. And I think a lot of that, you know, 
I think Christians should occupy political office. But we have to understand, no matter who's in power, the only thing that's going to change, I'm the only, the only, the only thing that will change things is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one who can change things. And we're entering in time times right now where we need to start trusting God. Everything is out of control right now in our nation. You know, I um you know, there's even probably some Democrats that are Basically, you know, calling out the White House because, you know, their own their own people that they represent just are hurting. There's even Democrats probably shouting out saying there's something wrong. We need to fix it. And they're not wrong. They're right. But... The only thing, the thing that this nation needs, this nation does not need a bunch of Republicans ruling it. This nation does not need a bunch of Democrats ruling it. This nation needs to have Christ ruling over it. Because Christ is the only thing that will turn this nation around. If Republicans gain power and they do all the right things... We're still in trouble anyways. Now, I want to leave you with this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 7.14. And you've probably heard me read this verse a lot. It says, If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. That is what's going to fix this nation. And God is not talking to lost sinners. He's talking to his people, people who are saved. question is will you repent of your sin will you get right with God with whatever it might be because I'm telling you right now judgment must first begin at the house of God if it begin with us how much more to how much more shall it be to them who believe not the gospel judgment begins first with us after he's done after Christ is done judging the church, he'll go to the world and judge them. We need to get right with God. And unfortunately, I don't think we will do that until things get really bad. And things are pretty bad right now, but I think things are going to get worse to where it's going to cause you to get right with God. I'd rather just get right with God and not, I mean, either way, we're, we're in for some pretty, pretty dangerous times. 
But Christ said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. And listen, I'm not trying to play with anyone's souls, okay? This is real stuff. We ought to, we ought to do right according to the word of God. If you say you believe the word of God, you ought to believe every single word of it. And you ought to abide by every single word of it, even if it's unpopular. Just saying. Because the time's coming where if you don't get it right now, you'll eventually get it right. And it it's probably not going to be very pretty when, when, when that time comes. Because we're, we're heading into some dangerous, dangerous times right now. Amen. But listen, I love you guys. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be practical. I'm just trying to give it as it is. Amen. Um, like I said, uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll get into Matthew chapter 8. Okay, Matthew chapter 8, one week from today. Um, I don't know what Sunday is going to bring. So, I'll let you know Saturday. Okay, I'll let you know if there's going to be something or not. I don't know what, what I'm going to do on, on Sunday yet. Okay, so pray for me. Um... Other than that, I don't have a whole lot. Uh, listen, I hope you guys had a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, a good time to take some time to honor those soldiers who have given their lives for the freedoms of this nation. But I also want you to know that Christ gave his life to save a soul. To save souls. And that right there, my friends, is the greatest liberation anyone can ever have. Is being set free and saved by what Christ did on the cross in his shed blood. Christ gave the ultimate liberation to save people from their sin. And hell, but to save people from their sin. And we ought to be thankful for that. Not just during Memorial Day, but we should be thankful for that every day. Because every new day that we have is a gift from God. Amen. It's a gift from God. So I hope you guys had a good Memorial Day weekend. I know I did. <clears throat> Even though it was really rocky at times. So, but anyways, listen, I love you guys. And uh, you guys are the reason why I do what I do. Amen. You are the reason why I do what I do. And uh, I love you guys very much. And, um, yeah. So, till tell, tell next time, I will be signing off for the evening. I love you guys. God bless you. You guys have a good rest of your week. Have a good, have a good uh, Wednesday tomorrow. And Lord willing, we will see, we will, I will see you either on Sunday evening or on Tuesday of next week. All right. So God bless you guys. Love you. See ya. Bye.